You're going to lose family members. They're going to go, you know what? You take this too seriously, this Jesus thing. Really? How seriously can you take Jesus? Do you think any of us are going to stand in front of Jesus on that final day of judgment? And he's going to look at me and look at you and go, wait a minute, John. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You took me way too seriously. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, here we are, and we just believe that through you, God, through your power, that Jesus is alive. Because if he is still in the grave, we're all in trouble. But we know from your word, the truth, that on the third day, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and his grave is forever empty. And so, Lord, we simply worship you today. Uh, Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May our little kingdoms be gone. May your will be done. Nevertheless, not what I will, what we will, but what you will. Father, keep us from the schemes of the enemy even right now as He has come to kill, steal, and destroy. May we be on our guard, and may we live every moment for the fame and the renown of Your name. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Acts chapter 21, Acts 21. Uh, Looking at verses 27 through 36, as you uh, prayerfully open your Bible uh, or look on the screens here behind me. But the title of the, the message today from God's Word is, Surrender to Jesus Will Get You Treated Like Jesus. Surrender to Jesus, surrender to Christ will get you treated like Christ. Uh, Back when I was growing up, there was this basketball player by the name of Michael Jordan. And there was a phrase, and maybe some of you remember this, that I want to be like, help me, Mike. Michael Jordan. You know, so many people wanted to imitate him. So many people wanted to be like him. I mean, you think about this for a moment that, you know, we see even grown men today wearing jerseys of other grown men with other grown men's names on the back of the jersey. I mean, just think about that for a moment. There's this desire so often to be someone that we're not. 
There's this desire continually to have what we don't have. There's this ever-present discontentment that's lurking at our doorstep, ever-present. That's how the enemy works. Let me just get people discontent, and he can begin to work. Now, there's a flip side to this, I would argue. It's good to be discontented in a holy way. Like, I want to be more holy. I want to walk in more obedience. That's a good discontentment. But but I do want to warn you, if you believe the Scriptures, that if you really want to be like Jesus, at some point in the journey, you are going to be treated like Jesus. Matter of fact, I was on a phone call yesterday with a 82-year-old person out of state, and as I'm talking to this person, we're having this great conversation, this person who has been through much heartache, much pain, just trial after trial in their life, at the age of 82, has sold their house, is now living at a mission in a very run-down part of this metropolitan city, and now is discipling people inside this house. Like, that's how this person is going to spend the rest of their days. Not on a beach, not on the golf course, but they've decided that I want to be like Jesus, and I'm going to live at 82, I'm going to give away everything so that I can be even more like Christ and pass it on to the next generation, I hung up from that call going, wow, forget Michael Jordan, I want to be like that person that is so unhitched and untethered from this world which is passing away, which is fleeting, which will never bring you what you're looking for, but simply saying, I'm going to live my life to the fullest, and I'm going to live that last quarter of my life, the fourth quarter, for the glory of God, and if it means I'm going to give everything away for His fame, count me in. Wow. Wow. I can count on one hand and have fingers left over in all of my years of living that I've heard a conversation like that. Inspiring. See, there's an ad campaign right now all across our world. It's called He Gets Us. You know what the problem with that ad campaign is? I think there's many things, actually, if you dig down deep into it. But that's the problem. We're trying to get Him to get us when we need to start getting Him. That's a problem. That's a problem. It's a scheme of the enemy. Focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. Focus on yourself telling you, oh, He already gets us. That's why He went to a cross. Oh, He gets us. 
The problem is we're not getting him. Oh, we're living in troubling days. Church, if you really, if you really want to surrender to Jesus, put your seatbelt on, you will be treated like Jesus. You say, how do you know that, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Look at Acts. Look at Acts chapter 21. I'm going to start in verse 25. And we'll roll right in. We'll just roll right into 27. So context from last time together. Acts 21. Here it is, 25. So key point. Look at these verses. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain. That means don't do, refrain from. What has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So pause for just a moment. Here's Paul. Remember, there's this great debate. He's being accused falsely, lie, 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 from the Judaizers of things that he's supposedly doing when he's really not doing these things. And so in order to have these Jews and Gentiles coexist in Christ… Paul is coming alongside, and they're saying, look, there's going to be some give and take here, but it's not salvific. Not salvific, but these are things that we must give and take on, and then you do see, and from sexual immorality, which is not just not a traditional thing, uh, that's a biblical thing to refrain from. Can we get an amen on that? Amen. Okay? So what happens? Look at verse 26. Then Paul, he took the men… And the next day, he purified himself, so with them, and he's going along with this again, and he went to the temple giving notice that when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. So again, he he paid the fine, if you will. He paid the charge for these guys to have this vow, this Nazarite vow, and so there was proof in the pudding that that Paul's going, look, I I'm actually with you guys. I'm not doing what these other people are saying I'm doing. They're lying. So what happens? Well, look at 27, our text for today. Acts 21, 27 and following. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, they stirred up the whole crowd and they laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Boy, this sounds serious, doesn't it? 29 of Acts 21, for they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed... Mm. that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then, verse 30, all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. 31, and as they were seeking to kill him, 
word came to the tribune of the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion, you think? He at once took soldiers and centurions and he ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. 33, then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he inquired who he was and what he had done. 34, some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, that's an interesting statement, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks, and when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him, exclamation point, period, end quote. Church, this is the Word of God, and all God's people said, Amen. So, you really want to be like Jesus, huh? <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to face what Jesus faced? Oh, I don't know if you're headed towards a cross. Maybe you are. But I will assure you and I this for those who say, I'm in. I want this. You will be at the tip of the spear where the fire, the spiritual fire is the hottest between this light-darkness battle. You know what's interesting? When I look at this, really two chunks of Scripture that I think will help us as we ask ourselves today, and I pray that's where you are. I pray you're asking yourself, do I really want to be like Jesus? We could ask it like this, am I really willing to pay the price? Are you caught in? He gets me. He gets me. Or are you caught in? I get him. See, it's totally possible, church, to understand that he gets you, all the while never truly getting him. I think it happens all the time. I think it happens all the time. What can we learn from Paul? We'll look at Acts 21, verse 27. 21 through, or 27 through 29. Let's just look at this together. Holy Spirit, I even pray right now that you would move in power and stir in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray even right now, would you help us fall one way or the other? We're either really going to be like Jesus or not. Because, Holy Spirit, if we are saying today that I'm going to ride the fence, may everyone be warned that Satan owns the fence. Verse 27 of Acts 21, when the seven days were almost completed, again, that's the length of the purification process for the vow, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, who's him, by the way? Any ideas? 
Thank you. I was waiting for someone to shout out Jesus. Usually that's correct. Not in this case, okay? Paul. Seeing Paul in the temple, what did they do? They did something. So there's a reaction. So they see Paul, and they just don't go, hey, there's Paul. There he is. Hi, Paul. What did they do? What do you see in your Bible or on the screens next? What did they do? Anyone? Help me. They stirred up. See, those that are walking in falseness always have to stir up when truth arrives. It's a deflection technique. Don't want to be exposed, so wait a minute, there's truth walking, i got to do something so they don't see who I really am. And there's this stirring up. It means this to disturb, to confuse the minds of others. To create an uproar. Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Any ideas? And it's not Jesus. Yeah, Satan. He's the master of this. Confusion, uproar, confusing the minds. So the Bible says in Romans 12, not on the screens, we're to be renewed how? By the renewal of your heart, of your mind. It's the data center. It's where you and I make all of our decisions. Our heart is deceitful and wicked. No one has to teach me. And yes, believe it or not, no one has to teach you how to sin. We're all really good at it. But our mind, if it's not being renewed with truth, what we think on is what we act on. So if we're just hearing things... And we already have established that if you want to be like Jesus, you're going to be treated like Jesus. And here Paul is becoming more like Christ. He's being treated like Christ. But you've got this group of people that are spiritually undiscerning, and so they hear whatever they want to hear, and they act on it. And whoa, here it goes, right? Because what happens? Well, let's read on. Well, the whole crowd, still in verse 27 of Acts 21, laid hands on him. So, okay, wait a minute. It's one thing to talk smack about someone, right? Like you can talk smack, you can lie, you can gossip, you can fudge this, fudge that, distract here, try to get other people to look away from your own sin and put it on somebody else, make them the person even though they are not the one sinning. We can do that. But now they're laying their hands on these people. They're laying their hands on Paul. That's serious business, right? This is assault, right? I mean, that's assault. People will go to great lengths to not be exposed. So what happens? Well, look at 28. So Acts 21, 28. Crying out. It it means literally screaming at the top of their lungs. Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere. Pause right there. That's a serious accusation, right? Everyone everywhere. If you're an English teacher, what we call that? A hasty generalization? (laughs) It's kind of like, everyone, really? Are you being serious? You sure you're not exaggerating here? Everyone everywhere. Wow, okay, pretty serious. Against the people, well, that's a lie. And by the way, you know what's so interesting about this? So you had the Judaizers, we studied them, what, a couple sessions ago? And now here we are at a whole other locality, 
I don't know if you've picked up and connected the dots. The same exact lies are being repeated again in a whole new locality. Satan's a genius, isn't he? (laughs) You think he'd come up with new lies. No, let's just stay with the, the current ones. So he's against the people. Well, repeating this again from verse 21, write it down, study it later. And the law, number two, that's a lie. And the place, the temple, that's a lie. But then they go, okay, wait a minute. Maybe they, maybe the discerning people here really aren't buying this hook, line, and sinker. So we need to add a little whipped cream on top of our lie. Moreover, still here in verse 28, he even, oh, here goes a whopper, and it's not a sandwich. The lies are growing. He even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled, he's defiled this holy place. Now, pause here for a moment. Help me on this. Let's, let's do this interactively. So, if you know someone that struggles with lying, by the way, how much of a truthful statement do you have to tweak to make it a lie? Just enough. Just enough. If you know someone who struggles with lying, what does lying do to a person who does it continually, would you say? Any ideas? It's called being desensitized. It's just your new normal. Like you start believing your own smack, right? You start believing your own lies. You believe it to be reality. Are you ready for this? Let me read this again. So we're in 28, Acts 21. It says this, moreover, so, okay, here's three lies, but okay, ah, I don't know if they're going to buy this. So, okay, let's put something else on top. So, moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple, has defiled this holy place. If you know anything about the early church temple, there was what's called this outer court. And the way it was designed was the outer court actually had a sign. There was a sign on rocks, and it said something like this, if you are an alien, not from Pluto, they're talking about Jews and Gentiles, okay? Aliens, Jews and Gentiles. If you are a Gentile, if you go past this court, you will be executed. Would Paul really, with this huge billboard sign, take Gentiles past that outer court area and think somehow he was going to get away with this? What's the answer, church? Of course not. That's how delusional these people are, though. They think they can float that lie out there and that people will believe it. It's insane. Utter insanity. The story goes on. Help me here. 29, for they had previously seen Trophimus, so here is the explanation, Trophimus, the Ephesian, he's a Gentile, with him in the city. Now here's where this thing goes off the rails. I'm reading from the ESV, so if you have a different translation, that's okay, as long as it's biblical, of course, but listen to these next words. And they, what's that word? Supposed. It means this in Greek, to jump 
to a conclusion not knowing the facts. You may hear the word or the thought to assume. Have you ever assumed something about someone and then you realize days, weeks, months, years later, oops, that unwittingly you joined in on the character defamation because you assumed, you supposed. I think Satan is the master of the supposing. Let me connect dots that really aren't there. They sound good, though. We don't have all the facts. But we came to this conclusion. And that's exactly what the text says right here. And they supposed. Dangerous, dangerous game. Don't play the supposing game. Innocent people get hurt, I'm telling you. They get their names drugged through the mud. Character assassination. It's all from Satan. And they suppose that Paul had brought him into the temple. So just pause for a moment. Let's just look up here for a second. Help me for a second, okay? So imagine this. So here's Paul. Paul's on my right hand, and let's say Trophimus is on my left. This is how crazy this is. So just because Paul is seen with Trophimus, he's just seen with them, they go... He took him into the temple. That's gutsy. I guess you got to give him credit for boldness. Hey, who's a bold liar? All the bold liars stand up who have guts. I mean, it's just insane, but that's what happens. It becomes just kind of your new normal. You start believing it. So what happens? Well, look here. Let me read it one more time. Makes this sinks in. 29. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian with him in the city, and they, help me church, supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Write down key number one. Write this down. Let's just jump right in here. Key one. If you have truly given your life to Christ, like Paul, here's our illustration just from the text, you are now in the crosshairs of Satan and those who work for him, and their choice of weapons is the lie. Key number one, if you have truly, it's real, truly given your life to Christ, like Paul, you are now in the crosshairs of Satan, and those who work for him, and their choice of weapons is the lie. Remember the last time we were together, I highlighted 2 Timothy chapter 3. And right there, it talks about in the end times, in the last days, that what will people look like? What will be the fruit? And the number one thing that's listed is they will be in love with themselves. That's the number one thing. And it's the the tree root, if you will, that all rotten, stinking fruit flows from. Me. The me monster. But I ask you again, do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to be like Christ? Do you really want to pay the price? Is Jesus worth it? Could you ask it like that today? Is he worth it? At 82 years of age, is he worth it to go, I'm going to sell everything because I want to go make disciples till my dying breath? Is he worth it? 
Does Jesus get me? Or do I really get Jesus? The thought occurred to me what does the Bible say about lying? You know, if you Google lying, you'd be amazed at how much the Bible talks about it. Let me give you several, and I use that word several liberally, because I'm going to give you a bunch. I narrowed it down, so praise the Lord. But I'm going to give you a bunch of verses about what the Bible says about lying. Get the pen ready. Get the paper ready. Here we go. Genesis 3, chapter 4. So remember, this all started in the garden from the beginning. Remember the enemy said to the woman, did God actually say, did He really say that? Did He really mean that? Oh, by the way, you'll be like God. That's tempting, isn't it? Genesis 3, 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Lie, lie, Satan's a liar. Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. There it is, knowing good and evil. Mm, so tempting. Typically, when we're baited into lying about someone, it's we don't look at it and go, oh, that, that's horrible, that's horrific. No, we look at it and go, hmm, that looks yummy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 2. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit, capital S, any idea who's being referred to their church? Holy Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. So we're seeing that, right? We're seeing people depart from the faith. This really isn't me. I don't think Jesus gets me. But what are they devoting themselves to? Did you catch this? By devoting themselves to what? Help me. Deceitful what? Spirits and teachings of who? Through the insincerity of what? Liars. Whose consciences are seared. Woo. You know what that means? It means severed, cut off. You can sit inside a church all your life, and the reality is your conscience can be completely severed as you buy the lie. And all the lies start from men and women will be lovers of themselves. I'm not getting what I want. He has what I have. She has what I have. I'm telling you, you feed that me monster beast, and at some point, the attacks that you will now perpetrate on others will come out unless there's repentance. Psalm 59, verse 12, Psalm 59, 12, for the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their what? Let me read that one more time. I don't know if you guys heard it. For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their what? Pride. That's where it starts. Me. I love me. I love me. 
for the cursing and what? Lies that they will utter. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. He, he detests. They're an abomination. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Oh, wait a minute. I think we forgot number two. Let's repeat it again. A false witness who breathes out, help me church, lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. What do lies do? They divide. And who is the father of all lies? So if we lie and we don't repent... Who are we serving? Satan. Hmm. Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked, referring to being deceitful, will what? Will be found out. We say it all the time around here, right? Time is the great exposure of who we all really are. Just give us all time. Give me time, give you time, and who I am, who you are, will be found out. Proverbs 19.5, 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out what? Lies will not escape. Now, this is interesting. That's Proverbs 19.5. Proverbs 19.9, just a few verses later, this must be important, a false witness will not go unpunished, sounds familiar. And he who breathes out lies, sounds familiar, will do what this time? Perish. So, will not escape, and will perish means will be destroyed. Like, that's how seriously God takes lying. Like, if you want to partner with those who lie, hang around with those who lie, you know, uh, I don't know, go shopping with them, go on vacations, whatever, I don't know. You hang out with them. At some point, if you're not careful, those toxins will inundate you because what does the Bible say? The Bible says this, bad company does what? It corrupts. The poison will seep in. You go, eh, it's like missionary dating, right? Missionary dating. What a stupid concept. I'm talking just dumb, like on the level of dumb. Hey, I'm a believer and she's not or vice versa. Somehow I'm going to win her or win him over. I've never seen that work. I've seen it always work the opposite way. The believer goes, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know. You know, we had pizza and video games and my parents loved Jesus and I thought it was great and I got dunked and walked an aisle, stood on my head and, and recited the Pledge of Allegiance on one foot, but I don't know who Jesus is. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. This is not that difficult as long as you give away yourself to Jesus. But as long as you hang on to yourself and try to live for Jesus, 
you're on a fool's errand. You can try to keep up the charade, but at some point it will implode. That's why Hosea, I wrote that down, I thought, when's the last time we quoted Hosea? Is that even in the Bible? Yeah, Hosea, right? Hosea 4, verse 2. Love this. There is swearing, lying, okay, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. Okay, so these are all on par with each other. So you're like, well, I don't murder, and I don't even swear, and I never stolen before, and I certainly don't commit adultery. Are you a liar? Well, occasionally. Well, welcome to the club. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? It's never satisfied. It's never satisfied. It's like, just got to keep doing this. Matthew chapter 15. Let's go New Testament here. Now New Testament. Hang on. Just a few more. I think there's about 47 more. Hang in there. Just kidding. Matthew 15, 18 through 20. Here it is. Matthew 15. This is just from Scripture. So we're just reading the Scriptures. There's power in God's Word. Amen? There's power in God's Word. Matthew 15, 18 through 20. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from where? Help me. The heart. And what does this do? It defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness. And then they add something Jesus does here in this great passage here, slander, character assassination, character defamation. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. He's talking to the Pharisees who are coming at him going, hey, you're washing your hands, you're doing this stuff. And Jesus is like, why are you focused on stuff that doesn't matter? You praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. That's what he's saying. Romans chapter 16, 17 through 18, we've read this before. Again, trying to give you easy addresses to remember. Romans 16, 17 through 18. Paul says, I appeal to you, I beseech you, I beg you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine, the Bible, that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't serve our Lord Christ, but their own, here it is, their own appetites. Oh, I've got to feed my beast. I love myself. And by smooth, crafty, cunning, soft, appears to be true, flattery, they deceive the hearts of the who? The spiritually naive. Church, you've heard me say this so many times, I'm going to say it again as I hold up the Bible. But when you come across, not if... Because if you really want to be like Jesus, you're going to be treated like Jesus. And so if you really want to be like Christ, you're going to stand for the gospel. I'm going to stand for the truth of what you're saying today. You know, we're going to take on the world. Maybe that's what you're saying. We're going to see people come to know the Lord. It's going to be fantastic. I pray that is the case. But I promise you this, where God is working, so is Satan. And so he's going to come at you with, I'm talking, a quiver full of fiery darts. And once that quiver's empty, he's going to get another and another and another. And if he can't get to you, he'll get to the people closest to you to get to you. Telling you, 10% finishes pastors. 10. There's a reason. Because it's a bloodbath when you teach truth. 
Why? Because you're teaching what people don't want to hear. You're teaching people to say, hey, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about Him getting you. It's about you getting Him. I don't know how many people who even profess Christ are just lost. Just lost. They don't understand what biblical belief is. And I blame pastors because we've made it so easy in this endeavor to fill a church building and fill the offering plate that we we'd actually don't follow what biblical salvation even is. Jesus said, if you're really going to be mine, you've got to give me everything of you. Kill yourself. Crucify yourself. It's not some easy believism where he supposedly gets me. Jesus, you get me? What's up? You get me? No. Jesus, I get you. I get you. I get you. You're amazing. You died for me. You took my place. My wicked, wretched sin. My shame. And divinely exchanged it. And I don't want to be that person I was before. I want to be like you, Jesus. I get you. Take my life. Oh, that would be amazing if you had a bunch of people doing just that, amen? So what happened? Well, look at John 8. John 8, here we are, still in our key one. Hang in there with me. John 8, 44. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and this is what He says. So I'm just going to read what the Bible says, okay? This is Jesus talking. You are of your father, the who? The devil, the diabolos, the diabolical one is what that means. And your will, Pharisees, is to do your father's desires. So who is their father? Do we know? Question? Anybody know? Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the, here it is, stand in the what? Because again, if you, as the Bible's held up, how will you know when you, I'm telling you, you're leaving today and you're like, you know what, I'm under heavy conviction. I want to be like Jesus and I know I'm going to be treated like Him, so I'm ready. And so you pull out of here and someone from Amazon cuts you off and you're about to lose your salvation. And that's your first test, amen? And so you pull out on the highway here and then you got to go home and Satan's going to go, you know what, this is going to be so easy. I'm just going to get everyone arguing at home. And then at work, and then here we go. And how will you know out there what's false if you don't know as I hold up the Bible what's true in here? I'm telling you, this is the key. If you really want to be like Christ, if you really want to make a difference, if you want to get to 82 years of age and go, I'm just abandoning everything so that these last years of this earthly life, I can send it on ahead. I'm telling you, talking to that person yesterday, it was obvious that that person is in the Word and the Word is in them. It's a two-way street. You can read the Word all day long and be like the Pharisees. But is the Word in you? Is it transforming you? Is it making you new? 
Like, do you desire just to be in His presence all the day long? Because back to John 8, 44, they don't stand in the truth because there is no truth in Him, Satan. When He, Satan, lies, He speaks out of His own character, for He is a liar and the father of all what? Lies. There it is. So church, when we lie, we're serving Satan. Be warned, be warned. When you partner with people and hang around people that have lied, especially about others, be warned. I'm telling you, I've said this more times than I can count, everybody goes to jail at some point. I hang around with them. Okay, good luck. Hope the poison doesn't wash off on you. I mean, this is how insane this is. This just hit me. So I'm watching a program. Remember when you get my age, they're not television shows, they're programs, right? That's what you do. You call them programs. And so we're watching a program recently. It was a good program, okay? We try to find programs that don't have profanity and all that other crazy, just foolishness in it. I, I, I just, this just now hit me. So we're watching this, and one guy is asking the other guy who has turned his life around, not by the Holy Spirit. This guy clearly is unsaved, but he's turned his life around. He said, how did you do it? Here's what he said. This is an unbeliever talking. Like, this is like, whoa, the unbeliever, you know what he says? He goes, all those relationships that I used to have that were dragging me down, I cut bait. This is an unbeliever. An unbeliever. And yet what do we do? Well, you know, I like them. They're great and they're funny and they're whatever. And yeah, but they're they're lying. <laughs> it's like, why would you hang around with liars? Doesn't make any logical sense, especially if the world is saying, "Hey, I'm not doing that foolishness anymore." And yet here we are in the church, the bride of Christ. We want to protect and shield and keep the truth guarded. Be warned. Be warned. James chapter 3, verse 14, write it down. But if you have bitter jealousy, oh, there it is. Selfish ambition, you've heard this one before. In your hearts, do not boast and be false to the what? The truth. There it is. It's so simple. And yet people are so deceived. There's just a fog. It's like they can't see it. You know why? Because their consciences have been seared and severed. 1 John 2, 3 through 5, 1 John 2, 3 through 5, and by this we know that we have come to know Him, intimacy, that know is just not, hey, how are you doing, buddy? No, it's I know Him, I know Him, He knows me, He gets me, but I get Him first. If we do what? If we keep His commandments, if we obey, whoever says I know Him, but does not obey, keep His commandments, is a What? Hey, this is heavy, isn't it? And you'd be grateful because I narrowed this down. I mean, this is like, there must have been a hundred verses online. It's like, wow, I would have been in trouble, right? If we'd be here that long. I narrowed it down. And this is from Scripture. Like, I didn't write this. So when we disobey, we're actually making God a liar. Have you ever thought about that before? Every time I disobey and you disobey, we're actually calling God a liar. Oh my, Ooh, wow, that's heavy. You know what hopefully this does in my life and your life? I hope that this makes me and you start taking this really seriously. Like this is a fight. Hear me clearly. This is a fight, not a fashion show. There's plenty of churches that will give you a fashion show. They're everywhere. 
It's a fight. We're trying to make soldiers of Jesus Christ, amen? Because I'll tell you, you're going to walk out these doors, and if you're really going to go, oh, be like Jesus, and then you get lambasted. I don't want to look back and go, you know, I gave a bunch of fluff. No, giving you the raw gospel of Jesus Christ so that when you do go out, that you are a soldier of the cross. I just love standing up here how God just downloads things. None of this is written down. I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking about this conversation with an 82-year-old person yesterday, and as I'm encouraging that person, because I'm, I'm on the phone going, I didn't say this out loud, but I'm going, you're doing what? Like, that's what I'm saying to my spirit. You're doing what? 82? You sold your house, and you're bringing a bunch of people in to disciple them and, and just push the mission for you. You're doing What? I didn't say it like that. I'm smiling, going, this is great. Praise Jesus, right? So I said, be encouraged, don't lose heart. And you know what this person said at 82? Oh, I'm not going to lose heart. Can I clone you? Who are you? Amazing. You know why they said I'm not going to lose heart? I'll tell you why. Because they know that greater is he that's within them than he that's in the world. They know that I know who I have believed, Jesus, and he is greater, and he is able to keep which I've committed to him until the day. That person who I talked to wasn't asking Jesus to get them. They were just testifying, oh yeah, that they get Jesus. Powerful, powerful. Just gets me fired up. I love it. So what happens? Well, look at verse 5, 1 John 2, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected, sanctified, made whole. By this we may know that we are in him. There it is. It's fruit. It's godly fruit. Hey, I love Jesus. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a deacon. Whatever. Fill in the blank. You know, been doing this, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a life of disobedience perpetually. Oh, it's going to reveal stinking, rotten fruit, I'm telling you. Revelation, that should give you a good sign. We're going in order. <laughs> I promise you, we won't go to the table of contents. So, and maps, here we go. Revelation 21, verse 8, 21, 8, but as for the cowardly, what's first on the list here? That's interesting. That's first on the list. But as for the cowardly, maybe we should be bold for Jesus. What do you think? The faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all. Help me. This is the real stuff here. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Be careful, be careful, be warned, be warned. Out of love, be warned, be warned. Because lastly, Revelation twenty-two fifteen, outside are the dogs. That's that Jew-Gentile dynamic there. And the sorcerers, and the sexual immoral, and the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves, I love it, that's what they're saying, and practices, they do, they obey. What do they obey? Help me, church. Falsehood. You know, there's two obscure verses I want to give you under this key number one. 
and we'll finish off key one and jump right into key two. Here it is, Obadiah, another one you kind of go, Obadiah, where's that? It's in the Bible, and it's not unhitched. It's in the Old Testament. Obadiah 1, 3 through 4. Obadiah 1, 3 through 4. Listen to this. The pride of your heart has done what? Deceived you. There it is, the pride. Me, I love me. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I, I, from there I will bring you down, declares the, help me church, Lord. Wow. Mm. Here's my advice for me and you. Don't play around with God. Don't play around with Him. I'm telling you, you won't win. You're fighting a battle, you won't win. All right, here it is. Last section, Acts 21, 30 through 36. So what was the result of the lies against Paul? Now again, just pause for a moment. So who was the real target? Do we know who the real target was in this illustration, this narrative? Was it Paul? Ultimately, was it Paul? Help me. This is a good time to put out that one word answer that typically is right. Who was the real target? Jesus. Yes, yeah. Paul was the secondary target, but the real target is Jesus. Remember, Satan's like, in the days before he fell, <laughs> I want Jesus what you have. I'm not content. I'm a lover of myself, is what Satan was really saying. And the pride of his heart deceived him. So here it is, Acts 21:30 and following. Then, so after all of this, then all the city was stirred up. There's provoking, there's rioting going on. Picture this. And the people ran together. <laughs> Literally, when you study this, it gives this imagery. It gives this imagery that people are running from all directions. <laughs> like they're just running from all directions. They're running into each other. There's just chaos. They seized, they grabbed by force Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple. They literally, physically drug him out of the temple. That's how much they hate truth. They hate it. They hate it. They won't repent. They hate it. And at once, the gates were shut. So if they executed Paul inside the temple, it's going to defile the temple. So they get him out, and they're like, hey, let's quickly, let's close the gates. Okay, so what happened? Well, 31, and as they were seeking to kill him, Word came to the tribune, that's the commander, the highest ranking Roman in Jerusalem was this guy. This guy is big deal, big stuff, okay? He's the sauce of the Roman army there in Jerusalem, of the cohort, that's a thousand soldiers, that all Jerusalem was in confusion. So the entire city of Jerusalem is disturbed, it's in confusion. Satan is just having a field day. People are running into each other. They're running out. They're running up. They're running down. Minds of people are now confused because they're hearing conflicting stories. They're not tethered to truth. They don't know what is true now. And what happens? Well, 32, he at once, that's the commander, he took soldiers and centurions, plural. So take a wild guess how many soldiers are in a century. Any ideas, you math people? You're right. 
99, no close, 100, right? 100. 100. So he took centurions, plural. There's at least 200 soldiers going to confront this mob, at least, okay? It's a big deal. So what happens? Well, here it is, 33. Actually, go back to 32. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So you think, <laughs> right, you're, you're, all, you're these Jews, and there you are, and you're beating Paul. I mean, you're just beating him to a pulp. You hate him. He's truth. He's truth. He's truth. And you're beating him to a pulp. And then you see the most powerful guy in Jerusalem of the Roman army coming with a bunch of Roman soldiers. You think they stopped? You really think? Yeah. So they stop, and what happens? Well, here it is, 33. Then the commander, that tribune, came up and arrested and ordered him, Paul, to be bound with two chains. Write down somewhere in your notes, Acts 21.11. Just act, write that down, Acts 21.11. You'll go back in your study this week, and you'll see, remember Agabus, the prophet, who said, hey, I'm going to take this belt, and whoever owns this belt, it was Paul's belt, will be what? Yeah, he's going to be bound. Boy, prophecy is being fulfilled. When God speaks, His promises and His, yes, prophetic words come to pass. Stay with me. Here it is. Be bound with two chains, verse 33 of Acts 21, okay? He inquired who he was. So the commander goes, who is this guy and what has he done? Some in the crowd, this is so key of lying right here, ready? This is so key, ready? Some in the crowd were shouting one thing. And some were shouting another. <laughs> that makes me chuckle. It's like, yeah, that's walking in truth, right? Some are shouting one thing and some are shouting another. Just insanity. Total, total insanity is what's going on here. That's the irony of these liars. When they partner together, they can't even keep their lies straight. Crazy. Mm, just, just demonic. A bunch of spiritual Barney Fifes running around. Where's my bullet? And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, did you catch that? Oh, that's another, isn't that just another great nugget? He couldn't learn the facts, the commander, why? Because of all the foolish lies and nonsense and uproar. That's what Satan does. Satan's like, I don't want anyone to understand the real facts about what's really going on, so let me create just a bunch of confusion. If we're not discerning, we just jump in, we pile on, hey, let's go. Crazy. Just wild how Satan works. So what happened? Well, here it is. He ordered him to be brought into the barracks, and when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. <laughs> so two quick things here. Ready for this? Ironically, Paul is rescued by the Roman soldiers. Isn't <laughs> this crazy? Secondly, when it says that he's carried, in the Greek it means this, that he's actually picked up and he's lifted above their heads because everyone's trying to kill him. Just picture this. They're carrying Paul. They're carrying Paul. Come on, Paul. Let's go. Come on, Paul. We're going out of here because they're trying to kill this guy. Why? Because he's a truth teller. Why? Because he represents Jesus. Why? Because he gets Jesus. So you really, you really want to be like Jesus, huh? You really want to be like Him. If you do, at some level, you will be treated like Him. Because He warned us this would happen. He said, there are going to be people that are going to hate you because of me. 
I hate you. Why? Because they're walking in darkness. And if you put your name in there, if you're walking in truth, just that alone that you're walking in truth and they're walking in darkness, oh, here goes the war. You don't have to say anything. You're just living truth. You're not saying a word. You're just living truth. And they are greatly convicted. They're offended. They're like, I can't be exposed for who I really am, so I got to go on the attack. And that's exactly, exactly what's going on here with Paul. And so what happens? Well, here it is. 36, for the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. They're not saying remove Paul. You know what they're actually saying in the Greek? Away with him means this, murder him. That's what it means. I mean, these people are so venomous, they're so filled with hate because the truth has confronted them that they actually want to exterminate Paul from planet earth. Wow. Boy, darkness and lying will take you a far way, won't it? Like it will take you a far way, far, far away, remotely. If you were close to God, it will take you forever away from God. Key number two, write this down, our last key. Here it is. Key number two, as we see here with Paul, when lies are spread about the truth tellers, remember they hate the truth, Satan and his minions, those that work for him, will seek to stir up disunity as he, Satan, is the author of confusion. And nothing is off the table for which these people will do when their lust for power and control has been exposed. Key number two, as we see here with Paul, we're just taking this right from the Scriptures. When lies are spread about the truth-tellers, Satan and his minions, those working for him, will seek to stir up disunity as he is the author of confusion and nothing is off the table for which these people will do when their lust, that's it, their unbridled desire for power and control has been exposed. People who are craving control are actually holding up a sign unwittingly, they don't realize it, but they're holding up a sign going, my life's out of control. My life's out of control. And they're venomous. And did you notice, by the way, let me ask you a question. What has Paul said so far? Any ideas? What has he said regarding these lies? From what we've read this morning, what has Paul said? A big bag of, help me, nothing, right? N-U-T-T-O-N, nothing. See, sometimes people, why aren't you defending yourself? Why aren't you? You want to know why? Because the truth defends. The truth defends. It's always the truth. At some point, the truth will completely be revealed for all who desire to be like Christ because you're going to be treated like Christ. You're going to lose friends. I'm telling you right now. If you want to know what that means, you're going to lose friends. 
Like they're going to go away and go, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Who are you? You know what? I'm not worried about Jesus getting me. I just want to get Jesus. Okay. All right. You're going to lose family members. They're going to go, you know what? You take this too seriously, this Jesus thing. Really? How seriously can you take Jesus? Do you think any of us are going to stand in front of Jesus on that final day of judgment, and he's going to look at me and look at you and go, wait a minute, John, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You took me way too seriously. Do you think he's really going to look at me and say that? I got a lot of explaining to do at the judgment seat, the beam seat. Oh, salvation's there, but I got a lot of explaining to do. Pray we gravitate towards this because, you know, it's interesting. Let me give you a thought and then a couple chunks and we'll land the plane. So here's a thought. I wrote this down. I said, when the gates of the temple were shut, this is the last scene at the temple in the book of Acts. It's the last scene. Perhaps some symbolism here. Hmm. At some point when truth towers are lied about, the Holy Spirit will be quenched, grieved, strangled, and yes, Ichabod will take over as the glory of the Lord has departed. When spiritually rebellious people reject God's messenger, unless those people repent, God will reject those people. You say, where do you get that from? From the Bible. Just from the Bible. Church, I want to give you these two chunks of Scripture. Write these down. Luke chapter 23. Here it is. Luke 23, 13 through 25. Luke 23, 13 through 25. Here's the irony. When they said away with him, did that like make you think of anyone else in Scripture? I know when I read that, I immediately went to somebody else. I see a lot of head shaking. But here it is. Luke 23, 13 through 25. Pilate then called the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man. Who's this man? Any ideas? Jesus, that's right. As one who is misleading the people. Lie, lie, lie. That's what they do. After examining him before you, behold, I do not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod. For he sent him back to us. They're passing Jesus around. Lie, 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 lie. They're just passing him around because the people in authority go, he's done nothing wrong. But the people that are lying, they hate him. Going to be exposed. They got to start lying. That's what they do. So what happens? Well, 16, I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, the people, here it is, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. What did Jesus do? Do we know by now? What did he do? Nothing. And the people are crying out for a murderer. Paul, Jesus, you can look at Jesus approximately 25, 27 years prior to Paul and the same illustration, away with him. So what happens? Back to Luke 23, Pilate addressed them once more. He's fighting for Jesus, even though he's lost, desiring to release Jesus. But they, oh, here it is, the mob, the undiscerning spiritually, the lost people, the ones that hate truth, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And a third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? 
I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that what? That their demand should be granted. He gave in. He's like, you know what? I'm giving in. Therefore, 25 of Luke 23, he released the man. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they, the people, asked. But he delivered Jesus, innocent Jesus, over to their selfish will. And I added in the word selfish. Wow. Crazy, isn't it? You really want to be like Jesus? I pray you're ready to be treated like him. It's going to cost you dearly. But I will tell you from this side of the fence, it is worth it. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. You know how I know? Not because I feel this way, but the Bible tells me so. Write this last chunk down that I pray will encourage you. Matthew verse. Verses 26 through 33 of chapter 10. So Matthew 10, 26 through 33. This should greatly encourage you as you want to live for Christ and you're taking the hits, you're enduring lies and whatever goes on about you. Here it is, Matthew 10, 26. So have no fear of them. It's the liars, the people that are assassinating your character. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say it in the light. Mm. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the physical body, but cannot kill the soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Rather fear Him. Fear Him. Fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. Praise the Lord. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men surrenders is what that means. Just not intellectually, but a true surrender. Not just, hey, Jesus, do you get me, buddy? But hey, I get you. I give my life to you. I acknowledge you. I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But here it is, warning, 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 warning. Verse 33 of Matthew 10. But whoever denies me, whoever truly doesn't surrender to me, Jesus says, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Hmm. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray all over this room, I pray those listening, I pray they really want to be like Jesus. And secondly, I pray that they're prepared to be treated like Jesus. Lord, the beauty in all of this is that we can be like Paul and we don't have to say anything. We just let the truth speak for itself. We're still kind. Certainly not bitter. Perhaps sad, yes. 
that professing people who say they love the Lord will do and say the things that they often do and say. Lord, we just pray right now as You speak into our lives, may we be people that simply say, I want to be like Jesus and I'm willing to count the cost. Lord, as You move in power in this moment, may we hear You clearly. May we obey You unwaveringly. Lord, we love You. We worship You. We bow before You. We bow the knee to only You. And regardless of the cost, we are willing to be treated like Christ. God, may You be glorified in us and through us. And to You be the praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.